Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, top of the program to you, everybody. Welcome inside. Gwen and Chris, 3 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week edition of the uh, Gwen and Chris radio program. And we got a good one lined up for you today. Uh, be here till seven o'clock. Uh, Bob Nightingale is actually coming up at three uh, thirty-five uh, from the uh, Radio.com Insider. And uh, good to have Bob on. Uh, by the way, make sure you tune in, hear him talk about the future of this twenty twenty-one season. Insider calls from uh, Radio.com Sports are brought to you by Mercedes Benz. You can drive a Mercedes Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes so it's going to be a good start with bob nightingale plenty to talk about in baseball jenny kavner a little bit later in the uh, program continuing our winter meetings check of the teams in the national league west we'll check in on the colorado rocky the woe be gone colorado rockies that franchise sounds like it's headed downhill fast uh and i think a really important interview coming up in the five o'clock hour john mafey from the uh, san diego union tribune he's the prep sports writer and uh, some news the last couple of days about the immediate future of prep sports in San Diego County. And uh, I think uh, those of you who have uh, kids that are playing high school sports or youth sports will want to make sure you tune in and get the latest on that. Tony Gwynn Jr., I want to get the latest on you. How are you today, sir? I am fantastic. Uh, Happy Hump Day, everyone. We have made it to the middle of the week, and you're right. We got a jam-packed show today. I'm looking forward to uh, some of these interviews, especially uh, Bob Nightingale. Got to get a feel for uh, his article. We, we we highlighted it a little bit yesterday. Um, plus, I got some things to get off my chest about this whole James Harden story. We'll get into that later on in the show as well. But uh, all is well. Uh, I mean, as well as it can be here, stuck in the house. You don't. Do I would what, ask. What uh, I would ask Mr. Scraby how he's doing, but. I woke up to a tweet oh, gosh. from Matt Scraby this morning. It must have back, been like. Is he back tweeting again? He's tweeting, and he's tweeting like before breakfast, okay? <laughs> and it's before breakfast, and I got to read a tweet about how some guy in his neighborhood is now a serial non dog poop cleaner upper. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> So that's that's the image going early, huh? Yeah, early with that. So that's what I got as the image in my head was dog poop that was not cleaned up as I headed downstairs for my breakfast. And it kind of was was a little distasteful, I must say, way to start the day. Very scraby like. 
do you mind? Can you tweet these poop things in the afternoon? <laughs> no, because I'm here. It happens as it happens. I I put it in the big five. I put my question in the big five for you guys because it probably is the most important thing we've ever talked about in the yeah, big five. Lord, most okay. important thing. We've right. ever I mean, everybody knows about. this guy. Everybody knows this guy, and this is like a dinosaur taking a dump on the sidewalk. Okay, <laughs> all right. It's not like <laughs> it's not great. like some small dog. It is it is disturbing what is happening. All right, yeah. I'm going to move, cool. I'm gonna move straight cool. from that to Kevin Cash, uh, the <laughs> manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, whose uh, decision, which could be uh, called a little bit uh, off-color indeed, uh, to take out Blake Snell in uh, the sixth game of the World Series in the sixth inning after that brilliant uh, pitching performance. Kevin Cash even saying today he's still – grinding on that decision as to whether or not he made the right decision hey kevin i got a little tip for you you don't have to grind on whether you made the wrong decision in there you did you made the wrong decision there's no (laughs) arguing it you don't need to think it through you don't need to second guess it you don't need to wonder what you did right or wrong you've messed up the world series don't sweat it man i mean uh, get over it and get moving and get past it and i bring it up because blake snell uh, who was the pitcher involved in that thing, Tony Gwynn Jr., is at the heart of another story out there on ESPN.com today by David Schoenfield talking about the Padres being the number one team in baseball that would be a good likely landing spot for Blake Snell. And I feel like you and I and Scraby and everybody else on this radio station, we have talked so much about Blake Snell. We've talked more about Blake Snell this offseason than Fernando Tatis Jr. We really have. And maybe it's, you know, foreshadowing. Maybe it all will actually one day come true that Blake Snell will become a San Diego Padre. What say you? I say uh, after hearing from A.J., uh, the last couple of days, right? I don't have the same feeling about it anymore. Like I thought there could be a shot, but hearing AJ talk, it doesn't sound like it's something of interest. I know he said he still will; they'll still explore the trade market and those things. But the thing he kept repeating in the last few days, at least the last few days of of, of interviews we've heard, is the, the looking internally thing, looking. In the, within their own organization to fill some of those holes. Now, uh, obviously, A.J. Ha- always keeps his options open, so it doesn't mean it's completely the door's completely shut, but it just gave me the sense that that's not the direction they're looking to go. They're looking to, they're looking to try to get, it seems, it seems like guys who, um, who won't cost as much free agent-wise, they're weighing that versus internal, internal guys that they've seen pitch and that they feel – very confident about. Well, here's something that I think throws a little fork into the idea and the plans, a wrench, I guess is a better word, into the plans of the Padres if they really wanted to trade for Blake Snell. Uh, and that is according to this article by David Schoenfeld. And I can't say that I 100% buy into everything David Schoenfeld writes. As a matter of fact, I buy into very little of what David Schoenfeld writes on ESPN. Uh, but uh his point is, is if the Rays are going to trade Blake Snell, they're probably going to want to package their center fielder, Kevin Kiermeyer in the deal. And Kiermeyer is the highest paid player on the Rays team with 11 million, 11.6 million on the books for 2021. So 
Tampa Bay seems like, according to this story anyway, Tony, and it's very in-depth story. My goodness, you gotta you gotta scroll down a good half a mile to get it to the is. Padres part in this thing. But um, basically, what he's saying is that the Rays will certainly be willing to trade Blake Snell, but they want to make it advantageous for their overall payroll if they're going to do it. And so the team that they are going to trade him to, they also want them to take on Kevin Kiermaier. Now, Kiermaier is an excellent player. Don't get me wrong. But if the Padres really wanted to do this and wanted to part with some young pitching, uh, some of their prospects, and wanted to get Blake Snell, the question I have is would they really want another $11.5 million to spend on their outfield? Remember, they just spent $10 bucks to keep Tommy Pham. So – that is another wrinkle in this, and for those of us, because I consider myself one of the people that would love to see Blake Snell in a Padre uniform next year, for those of us that are hoping that that happens, I think this is something that could be kind of a deal-breaker for the Padres. I, I, I just don't see where they would fit Kiermaier in at that price. Yeah, I mean, even if the price was acceptable, right, I mean, you just Trent Grisham was coming off a, a pretty solid year in which uh, he went. He was golden at center field. So yeah. you're gonna you're gonna move him now to right field, and that's assuming you. And then you got to make a decision of Fam and Myers. Myers coming off of a really good year. Fam coming off of, of injury off a year where he was hurt a lot. But as you just mentioned, he just re-upped for ten million dollars. So it does complicate things, right? It, it got things even more, which. After it further makes me feel the way I felt listening to AJ Preller, right? Like it, 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 it's already based on everything we've heard, and we'll hear more from uh, from from Bob Nightingale here in, in a few about twenty minutes or so. Uh, everything we heard, teams are really tightening their belt. Um, it just doesn't seem like there's a fit there in terms of if the Rays are now asking the Padres to take money back. It doesn't seem like. It can work out all that easy. It's not yeah. going to be. A, it's going to be a very complicated deal. Now, I, I I've been thinking all along that Blake Snell was going to be the good fit here, and uh, again, you know, in the article it points out the fact that the Padres would probably offer something, you know, having to do with maybe Luis Patino and perhaps uh, Francisco Mejia. I mean, the Cod, the Padres are loaded with uh, you know catching now. I mean, uh, with they got Austin Nola, they got Castro, they got Mejia, they got plenty in there. They got Campusano. I mean, they're good in the catching department. So they could they could offer one of their young catchers, one of the young pitchers. But he doesn't seem to think that the Rays would be willing to do the trade even if the Padres wanted to do it unless Gore was involved. Yeah. I and mean, I think if you mention Gore's name, that's another – hiccup here so i'm starting to think for the first time that the padres aren't going to wind up with blake snell they may wind up with something they may get an arm somewhere along the line like you said a a a little bit of a cheaper free agent but i i i think blake snell would be great and i'd be more than willing to trade one of my young pitchers to get him i i really would i mean i've got four young pitchers i they're not all going to be fantastic superstar Cy young award winners and that's uh, you know, I really don't have a problem dealing one or one or one of those and, and a catcher. And, you know, I've got so many catchers right now. I'm in good shape. So on the surface, Blake Snell coming in that kind of deal, I think it's a it's a no brainer to do it. 
but it doesn't seem like that's the surface. It seems below the surface there are a whole lot of problems here. So we'll yeah. see where it goes. But I think as yeah. of right now, it's not looking too good based on what I, I'm I think today. the deal. I think the deal would kind of uh, would 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 hinge on a guy like like Gore being involved. If Gore is not involved, then it's going to take multiple prospects to make it happen. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, my, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with some of the Tampa want, would need you to take salary on the way back out. Um, it just would depend on who they're taking from the Padres at that point, you know, so we'll see. Uh, Scraper, are you saying we got somebody on? Yeah, on John's on the line. He wanted to jump in on this thing real quick uh, while we're talking about it at the beginning of the show. John, welcome to uh, Gwen and Chris. What's up, man? What's up, John? Yeah. Hey, thank you. Uh, hey, just a quick question about attitude. When uh, Tampa Bay manager pulled Snell out in the World Series, I think everybody thought it was a bad idea. But as Snell was walking off the mound, he was really animated and kind of shouted, if I remember. And it kind of felt like the air went out of the balloon right then and there. I'm wondering whether that's something that he's kind of displayed on a regular basis. Does he have a reputation of having a good attitude? Just you see what I'm wondering? Yeah, yeah no, I, I hear you, John, and, and I'll, I'll go first. Thanks for the phone call. I think um, the two incidents that I've ever seen, because remember, he didn't. I don't know that he pitched five innings or more very much during the regular season, so – that wasn't something that he, uh, you know, it was something that he was used to. I just think the moment in which it was happening, like it happened, I believe it happened in game seven or six of the ALCS, mm-hmm. and then it happens in a game seven of a World Series where you are perhaps pitching your best game. I don't, I, 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 it definitely happened in those two situations, but prior to that, we didn't have any, any evidence of him uh you know, having a problem being taken out of games the way uh, he really, and to be quite frank, I thought he handled it pretty good the second time in the world, in the, in the world series when he got taken out. And we had Tori Lovello on yesterday, remember? And he said something to the effect of every time I went to take Madison Bumgarner out this year, that's right. he told me I still have a lot more left in the tank. Now he may not have demonstratively uh, stalked off the mound the way Snell did, but I want my pitchers to feel like they can stay in the game. And, I, I think you're right, Tony. The emotion of a Game 6 of a World Series, it's pretty hard to table yeah. that as you're coming off the mound pitching the way Blake Snell was pitching. So I don't have a problem with his uh, with his uh, gamer attitude. He wants to pitch, and, uh, you know, digging into that story, he did allow a 300 batting average the third time through the order this year, and that's why, you know, Cash made the move made he the did. Decision, yeah. However, he only faced 34 batters <laughs> right. the whole season, the third right. time through the roster, so or through the lineup. So, I mean, he didn't get a chance to face a lot of guys a third time through. And uh, anyway, going back to my original comment, Kevin Cash, sleep better, my friend. You made the wrong move. Time to move on. <laughs> sleep That's better. a really weird thing to move. say. <laughs> it is, but he's all, he said he's all worried about, you know, he's keeping him up at nights trying to figure out whether or not he made the right move. I'm trying to tell him. In so your to, mind, he made. I'm trying to calm him move. down. I'm trying to he, calm yeah, his Chris nerves trying to and get tell him, some... him that he just, just accept the fact you made the wrong move and go to sleep. Right. Move on on. Man. You, yeah. got, you, you, you get, get after it next year. You got plenty of chances <laughs> to make the right move. Kevin, you year. screwed just up the World, World Series. Series. <laughs> Don't worry about it, man. 
<laughs> Roll over and hit the pillow, and uh, we'll see you in the morning. Might be the last time you ever do that, managing a World Series. Don't it worry about it. probably will be after that screw-up. Uh, all right, uh, when we come back, uh, as mentioned, Bob Nightingale is going to be on the show in about 15 minutes. That uh, Radio.com Sports Insider interview brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans, as we mentioned. You'll want to make sure you hear that. But before that... It's uh, Christmas come early for the San Diego State football team. Uh, 20 football players. Early signing period has begun. And one of these guys, at least according to my friend Kirk Kenny and his story today in the U- Union Tribune, could be the quarterback savior of the Aztecs' future. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. Welcome to the program, everybody. Jam-packed four hours for you. Includes Chris versus the fans, and, of course, includes our Big Five and our countdown and all the regular fun stuff. Stick around till 7. Gwen and Chris, San Diego's number one sports talk station. Let's get traffic going with Kelly Danick on 97.3 The Fan. I remember when I was at Oregon State from 1989 to 94, there was quite a bit of eight-man football. So we were uh, recruiting some of those guys, and you always worried. But uh, when you play eight-man football on that field, uh, you can really see guys who have uh, athleticism. And um, obviously with Will, uh, we we think uh, he's a guy that come in and will compete. Uh, along with uh, Jalen. And so, uh, you know, we, we like the dual threat that they both uh, give us. Uh, you know, uh, Will's uh, numbers are um, pretty incredible and really excited about uh, Jalen and him wanting to be here. Brady, get used to those two names. Oh, yeah, you're up. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I should have jumped in there, too. That would have been great. Should have all jumped in there. Get get used to those two names you're hearing. Uh, just two of the twenty uh, early signing period Aztecs. Well, now Aztecs committed to be Aztecs uh, today in uh, this early signing period as it opened today. And uh, as I said, Will Haskell and and Jalen Maiden uh, get used to those names. Maiden is, is transferring from Mississippi State, dual threat quarterback, uh, as is Haskell and. Uh, you know, it seems to be a position that um, they targeted, but it wasn't the only position. Uh, 11 offensive guys, 12 defensive guys, Chris. Uh, to break down from states, uh, you got 11 California guys, although only one, only two local guys. Uh, hearing, uh, hearing from Coach Hoke today, sounded like they were in on about eight of them and only got two and, uh, you know, many reasons why, but Certainly, it seems like, just based off of this this class that signed Chris, uh, this is kind of, you know, we had the conversation with Scrabe yesterday about, you know, giving Hoke some time to get his guys in. It seems like these are the type of guys uh, he's been trying to get into the program. Well, uh, with all due respect to Jordan Brookshire, uh, who, you know, made some strides this year at the quarterback position, and, and, and even Lucas Johnson, who looked okay in that Nevada game before he went out with injury, quarterback seems to be the number one spot that the Aztecs really, truly needed, watching yeah. this season anyway. And uh, William Haskell Jr., uh, the six four quarterback from Arizona, high school player, um, According to Kirk Kenny's story on the cover of the uh, Union Tribune today, with a couple of steps, a short-running start, he can leap onto the roof of an SUV. 
I don't know that that can win you any football games, <laughs> but that's a hell of an athletic move. I will say that. It is. So it is. Uh, William Haskell Jr. comes with a, a lot of confidence. Uh, among other things in the story today, he said, I feel like I can take the San Diego State team into a whole new era. I'm looking forward to taking this team to hopefully a national championship. Uh, hey, William, uh, I hope you're also. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. No, I hope he's thinking of getting them out of the Mountain West Conference where they would have a chance to win a national championship is what I'm saying because right, that's right. probably the only way they're ever going to win one. But, uh, look, uh, you know, quarterback is a pretty important position on the field. And, um, you know, the Aztecs had some running backs this year. The, I think that uh, they could use some wide receiver help, although some of these kids played played well when they got the chance out there. I, I think Matthew, Jesse Matthews has a chance to be a pretty good receiver. Cody Smith looks like a pretty good receiver. Uh, you know, so I think they might have some receivers. They, they had trouble getting him the ball. So quarterback under the Christmas tree a little early for Brady Hoke, and hopefully it all works out and uh, – this thing is the beginning of something good again at San Diego State. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You mentioned uh, some of the positions. Nine, other than the two quarterbacks, uh, nine linemen, both defensive and offensive. Uh, you got four linebackers, and you got three wide receivers in this class. So uh, they focused on the skilled position, it seemed like, on the offensive side, and they really hit the linemen on, on both sides too. So hopefully this is the, the, the start of, of bringing in uh, Brady Hoke's class uh, for 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 really the first time where they've been able to recruit because remember uh, this was kind of was stymied a little bit after the pandemic hit they couldn't really do much of, uh, of that recruiting and stuff sure. so and you said uh, that they didn't get any local players or they only got a couple of local kids I uh, you know, I feel again we're going to talk to John Mayfield about this a little later and that's why I think it's an important story but how many local kids could be recruited this year there was no football season right, right. they didn't get a chance right. to play. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely so, right. So hopefully uh, San Diego State will, will see the benefits of this. Now to another story that I, I really want to get to because it's it's one of importance, I think, in Major League Baseball. The news today uh, that that has Major League Baseball finally recognizing the Negro Leagues as Major League Baseball. And that's going to have – Chris, that's going to have a big – it's going to have some impact. Uh, not, not sure quite how big – but it's going to have an impact on the record books. A lot of these guys, I mean, Willie Mays is going to add some hits to his record total. Monty Irvin is going to add some, uh, his big league batting average should climb to over 300. And, and even a guy like Satchel Page, he's going to add 150 victories to his total. Um, these are some, this is some pretty significant news, I think, uh, in the baseball world, Chris. Yeah, I think statistically it's kind of fun. I mean, Josh Gibson's another name that you're going to hear now. Uh, yeah. a great home run hitter that he was. I mean, a lot of people think he hit over 800 home runs. I, they'll have to try to figure out exactly how many he hit. He also had a season where he batted 443, <laughs> which is, which would be a record in Major League Baseball <laughs> right. for a single right. season, I might say. As good as... Uh, as your dad was, 443, man. That's uh, that's like, are you kidding? Somebody intentionally walked that man. My goodness. <laughs> right. Stop, stop pitching to him. Stop pitching to Josh Gibson. But I, I think uh, among or, or maybe beyond some of the statistical, you know, things that go along with this, Tony, I think, you know, it's a good day, but it's kind of a little bit sad in the sense that, you know, most of these guys aren't going to be around to see this right. day. and. Right. You know, they, they, they played at a major league level. You, you've you've kind of turned my whole thinking around 
on guys like, you know, Babe Ruth and, and even, you know, to a certain extent, DiMaggio and, you know, some of the guys that played in the 1920s and 30s and, of course, Ty Cobb and uh, Hannes Wagner, they just simply didn't play with all of the best players. And, you know, you know, I it's not to take it away from Gehrig and, and like we said, and Ruth. I mean, these guys did what they did, and they were remarkable. But they didn't have to play against the best players because the best players, a lot of them were in the Negro Leagues, and they weren't allowed in big league baseball. And, you know, the fact that Major League Baseball is now – you know, looking at the Negro Leagues and uh, deciding, you know, we're going to classify it as a major league. As I said, I think it's good, but it's kind of sad because these guys weren't around to see it. You know, I mean, they they played at a major league level for all those years and kind of quiet and then, you know, off the front pages of the sports and off the highlight reels. And, you know, I think it's, like I said, it's a little bittersweet in my mind is what I'm saying. It, it, it definitely is, and I think that's what MLB is They're trying to correct it. They said as much. They said Wednesday that it was uh, correcting a long-time oversight in the game's history by elevating the Negro League on the centennial of their founding. Um, the Negro League consisted of seven, ma- seven leagues, and uh, MLB will include records from those uh, circuits between 1920 and 1948. Uh, the Negro Leagues began to dissolve one year after Jackie Robinson became MLB's first back black player uh, with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. But you're right, to some extent, it is sad. Uh, um, it, it's it's tough to see um, that you know a lot of these guys. I mean, they'll never they'll never get a chance to know that their numbers are uh, are being finally put on the same level. As 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 really some of their peers at that time, you know, yeah. you know, Satchel Page is is adding a hundred and hundred and fifty wins to his total. I think that is really significant. It yeah. really is. By the time Satchel Page got to pitch in Major League Baseball, he's about sixty-seven years old. You're right, right. He was right. Unbe- exactly. he, he was unbelievable. If you look him up, I mean, he got twenty-eight Major League wins at the age of like sixty. I mean, right. Satchel Page was like something special. They all were something special. So many of them. Yeah. Uh, cool Papa Bell will rewrite the record books in terms of stolen bases. Stolen bases, what they, yeah. What they say, he stole 307 bases in one year. I mean, come on. It was <laughs> ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, some of these ma- uh, Negro League records are going to change the Major League record books, and I, I think that part's good because, you know, young people growing up looking in the record books will see these names now and go, hey, where who'd these guys play for? It, exactly. And, it, it, and at least, you know, be able to recognize that that was out there and, that these guys were doing that, and it wasn't at a minor league level. Yeah, no. Here, you know what? That's that is such a wonderful uh, point. Just hearing comments from Bob Kendricks today, who is the uh, the president of the the National or the Negro League uh, Museum that they have out there in Kansas City. Uh, that was one of the things that he brought up was the fact that now um, it, it, there's more significance to that. Now that it, you, when kids see that in the record books, they're going to ask who these guys are, and there's actually a place to go find out. You know, that museum in Kansas City, although I have yet to get down there, I hear I, it is one of my things that I'm going to get done very soon. But happy to hear that news today. It is a, a little bit bittersweet, but I, I, it's more sweet to me today because there's going to be a lot of kids that uh, get to find out even more about this game. Uh, uh, from guys who, uh, who 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 were who were who were some of the black players. So uh, yeah. let's uh, let's step away. Let's get to break. Uh, Bob Nightingale is joining us next. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about what we talked about yesterday. This uh, possible 
a little squabble between the players and the owners as they try to figure out 162, or is it something a little less? You have to stick around to find out. This is Gwen and Chris, San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3, the fan. All right, uh, Bob Nightingale, now that you've got the uh, traffic update uh, here in San Diego, uh, I'm sure your uh, your day is complete. Uh, we welcome you to the program, uh, Radio.com Sports Insider, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, driver Mercedes-Benz vans. And find out how far an extra mile really goes. Bob, how are you today, sir? Yeah, doing great. My day is complete now. Yes, you've got the traffic <laughs> report. <laughs> it's all yep. set. It is all set for you, uh, Bob. Uh, just, uh, yeah, just kind of in general. I mean, it's so early; it's still December, but I think you're starting to kind of lean. We're starting. Tony and I are starting to lean towards wondering exactly what's going to happen with this upcoming season. And you know, some owners have come out and said so much as you know, there's no way, snowball's chance, et cetera, that we'll get a full season in. And players probably would like to have a full season, so. Uh, what do you think we can expect over the next month and a half or so between the players and the owners? Well, yeah, I mean, the players can say you can cut the season down as much as you want, but we still want to be paid like a 162-game season. So if you want to <laughs> slash it down to 140, 130, fine. But we still want the uh, the full pay after only getting a third of their salary a, a year ago. So we'll see. I mean, I think the, uh, you know, the rest will kind of dictate what happens here. I mean, if, but, you know, in Arizona, where I live, it's, you know, spiking pretty good. So if the government here says, wait a minute now, we don't want all these teams coming to spring training, you're going to have to hold off. You know, the owners would love to uh, hold off by four to six weeks. That way, you know, <laughs> more players can get uh, vaccinated and, and more fans, which will allow more fans in the stands at an earlier point. And uh, the union is saying, well, we were able to do it last year. Uh, follow all the protocols, so we're confident we can do it again this time. So, you know, they'll uh, at some point sit down and negotiate over that, over, you know, a a bunch of issues. But right now, you know, the the union isn't budging and said, hey, we're going to show up in in mid-February here for spring training. Bob, how does the the collective bargain agreement factor into this, right? Because, I mean, that's got to be discussed here regardless of, of how long this next upcoming season is going to be at some point during this coming year in 2021, that conversation is going to need to be had here. Yeah, you're right, Antonio. And some of these, uh, some owners wish that they would just, you know, tack on a year to the CBA right now saying, mm-hmm. you know what, with the pandemic and everything else, there's no way we can sit down and do this thing. Right. Let's just push it back instead of expiring uh, December 1st of 21 how about December 1st of 22? I don't think that's going to happen. Hmm. And everybody's kind of predicting Armageddon, you know, the way the two sides are. We'll see. I mean, they came and agree on a DH. I'd be, right. I, I think the DH is definitely coming. I'd be shocked if we don't have a DH in the National League. But, you know, they want some expanded playoffs from that also. And, you know, both sides, uh, you know, aren't even close about agreeing to any of that stuff. Bob Nightingale is with us, uh, Radio.com's uh, baseball insider, USA Today's great writer as well. And, uh, Bob, uh, doesn't it seem to you just, I mean, no matter what side you're on, the prudent thing to do to wait a little bit to start this season so that guys can be in a safer spot and we can get a few more guys, uh, hopefully get them a vaccine and, as you said, maybe get some fans into the ballpark. I mean, I, I hate to ever sound like I'm on the owner's side because I'm really not. It just seems like it's prudent 
to make sure that we're as safe as possible so that we don't get into another season like last year with a bunch of starts and stops and teams having to take a week and a half off, et cetera? Well, yeah, I mean, that would be the best-case scenario, just everybody gets, uh, you know, vaccinated, you know, fans too, uh, by the time, you know, open day comes around. But, you know, the, the thing is, the loss, who's going to make up for that lost pay? Uh, you know, will they have double hitters and squeeze that in? You know, could you play through November, even though I don't think Fox TV or ESPN wants that? So, you know, there's ways to do it as long as you get the money. And I, I think the owners are saying, you know, hey, we – we lost $3 billion last year, you know, upcoming this year. You know, we're not going to have fans for a while either, you know, particularly in places like, a, uh, you know, California and, and Illinois, uh, you know, we're, you know, a lot more strict in places, you know, than Arizona and Florida and Texas. So, you know, you feel for those franchises because they're going to take a uh, another bath financially. Bob Nightingale, Radio.com Sports, MLB Insider, joins us here on the SDCCU Fan Outline. And, and Bob, uh, I get the sense that your answer is going to be no, but given all the, the, the bad publicity la- or this, earlier this year uh, with both players and owners going at it, is there a priority at all to try to keep this out of the media? Well, you know, both sides have kind of said that they'd like to do that, uh, Tony, in the sense that it got so ugly last year, nobody wanted to hear it. And I think they're doing their best right now to try to keep stuff quiet. Even with the DH and expanded postseason, you're not hearing the barbs back and forth, just that the two sides, you know, disagree on that. And I'm sure it's going to get, you know, ugly too as far as, uh, you know, how many people you start the season with. You know, is it 26 again? Or, you know, we're going to have 29 or so to start off uh, the, the first month. So I do think both sides are, are going to make a much more conscious effort. Like, hey, the fans don't want to hear it. Uh, it just turns everybody off. Let's keep the uh, you know discussions as quiet as possible. Bob Nightingale is with us. Uh, Bob, uh, let's switch over to the Padres for just a second. It's been a great off season in terms of the awards that this team has won, and Machado and Tatis have been recognized, and all of the other guys that uh, contributed to a breakout season. Uh, just from a national perspective. Where do you think the Padres are in terms of, you know, trying to replace Mike Clevenger? Do you think it's uh, advantageous for them to try and make a trade and use some of their young talent right now? Or A.J. Preller, when he was on uh, our morning show the other day, seemed to indicate that they might, you know, be leaning towards sticking with some of these younger kids and seeing which ones develop. What do you think is the smartest thing for the Padres to do right at this point? Well, I think a little bit will depend on whether they expand the playoffs or not. You know, ahead, if you're going to have 14 teams, you know, you don't have to be – there's not that much urgency. Like, you can still make the playoffs, you know, without having to get, you know, a one wild-card spot or two wild-card spots if there's if there's more. Uh, I would think, you know, they, they work so hard to get those prospects. They dealt some away, obviously, in the Clevenger trade. Is hang on those prospects and go get some uh, lower-level free agents, you know, whether it's a Jake Odorizzi, you know, a Chinaka, something like that to buy time for Clevenger, and then come trade deadline, you know, uh, depending where they're sitting, you know, then they can use those assets to go in. I mean, they did that last year. The Clevenger makes, you know, the fact they knew he was a, had a, you know, two years on the contract and wasn't going to become a free agent. Obviously, the Tommy John surgery happened. Uh, but I think the same thing will happen in July. Just, you know, you, they'll use those trade chips for Nurse Starter 
but making sure that it's just not a rental player. Yeah. Yeah, Bob. Let me ask you this because obviously Bob's yeah, really smart, man. That was a really good <laughs> thought. Why didn't I have that one? We've been talking about it for four days. I ask him one question and he settles the issue for me. Beautiful, <laughs> Bob. Let me ask you because obviously one of the conversations out here in San Diego is 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 can can and or will the Padres extend Fernando Tatis Jr. at least. Uh, through through arbitration years, maybe maybe his first free agent year. Free agent year, do you think the Acuna deal is the the marker for a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. Or would the Padres be lucky if that is the marker? I think they're lucky if that's a market. I think a, a Acuna deal. Everybody said, "Oh man, this guy got ripped off. He should have got a lot more money." Uh, same thing with the Ozzy Albies. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't see him selling for that. And it's you know. It's tough for the Padres and tougher to teach his representatives to know exactly what he's worth. I mean, obviously, with right. uh, no fans last year, you know, the, the Padres took a bath there. You know, what happens this year? You know, how many fans are going to be allowed? So, you know, what you know, what exactly is he worth? Because, you know, part of the attraction with Tatis is he's a great crowd draw. I mean, he draws fans to that ballpark with his, uh, you know, charisma and uh, his talent and everything else. So uh, I think you're going to have to kind of wait and see. You know, I think if it falls in the Padres, you know, lap, okay, we'll do it if he wants something close to a Kuna deal. But if you want, you know, a monster contract, uh, I think the Padres are just going to have to say, you know what, we'll, we'll just go year by year here and, uh, and see what happens a year from now. It's going to be difficult and tricky for sure. Bob Nightingale, last thing, Bob, for me, uh, Major League Baseball today recognizing the Negro Leagues as a major league and – uh, regardless, or along with all the records that'll change and uh, the the just the the adulation and, uh, and and some of the familiarity that'll now be placed upon these guys that played in the Negro League, just your thoughts on baseball making this decision today. And it, Tony and I both felt it was a little bittersweet because it's sweet that they're doing it, but bitter that it took them so long to do it. Right, right. You know, it's like the uh, you know Major League Baseball is saying, well, we're boosting up the Negro Leagues, and Negro Leagues, you know, saying, wait a minute, now we boosted you up. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, we we were as star players that that missed out. You know, almost a little bit like the old ABA NBA days. Right. You know, there were so many great players in the ABA, like a Dr. J, and you know, and you had to wait till past his prime to show how great he was. It's a shame guys like Josh Gibson and Charlton didn't get to get to play. But yeah, it'll be really fascinating just with the records. I mean, now we're going to say that you know, is the uh, is Ted Williams the last 400 a hitter, or is it you know a guy like Oscar Charleston uh, who hit over 400, but you know never got to play you know in the major leagues. So it'll be fascinating. You know, I don't think uh, you know, like a Josh Gibson. I don't think they'll say, okay, here's 800 home runs. They're <laughs> right, not going to count right. those home runs by the by the barnstorming tours. So it'll be you know fascinating to see just how many home runs you know, that the, uh, goes down the record books with, you know, digging up through those old box scores and, and things like that. Well, Bob, it's going to be, uh, look, it, it's, it's recognition that's long overdue, but I think long overdue is also part of this story. Hey, Bob, uh, we really love having you on the show, and uh, you're always so kind to us with your time and appreciate it. Great insight, and uh, thank you for clearing me up on what the Padres should do here with their pitching rotation. I, I've been honestly all over the map on this. Been all over the map on this crazy thing. Well, we appreciate it as always, Bob. Thanks so much. Have a great holiday season. Stay safe, sir.
All right, there's Bob Nightingale, our Radio.com sports MLB insider. Joining us on the SDCCU fan hotline. Uh, Sit back and relax for a moment. This will take a minute. Uh, Insider calls are brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes. Let's not forget our good friends at SDCCU. Double payback days are here. Use your SDCCU debit or credit card, and you could win up to $1,000. No purchase necessary. For details, visit SDCCU.com. <sighs> and that's the end of the show. That's it. <laughs> Show's over. Sorry, um, I. You know what? Uh- <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! Actually, wasn't the end of the show. Okay, sorry. Oh. <laughs> no, it wasn't really the end of the show. Uh, we do got a we got a caller online, don't we? Chris? Oh yeah, we do. Mike, do we still have somebody there. What is it, Mike? Mike, you yes, there? This is Mike. Hey, Mike. Yeah, this is Mike. Mike. Well, welcome Mike, to the welcome show. To the show. Welcome to the show. What Hi guys. Got? Well, I was I was listening to you know Chris mentioning about how he was rethinking what Tony had mentioned about how the records are of you know, like DiMaggio and Ruth and Garrig and guys like that, because they didn't play against the best players in that era. And are they somewhat diminished? And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, that's true. But on the flip side, mm-hmm. the guys in the Negro leagues didn't play against the best players either then. So Fair. when you think about, when you think about the fact that you had, Many, a lot of major league teams in those days had tons of minor league teams as well. And then you mix in the fact that you have the PCL, which up until the Dodgers bolted Brooklyn for L.A. and and then the Giants went to San Francisco, there was very serious consideration to change the PCL into a third league and have AL, NL, and PCL. So you got three major leagues there. Then you have the Negro leagues and no one's playing against the best players. Hmm. So Touché. what are the stats really like? You know, so that is, that, it just, that is a, that is a fantastic point. I just, let me, let me be clear. Thank you for the phone call on that one. That was a good point. I want to be clear what I was speaking of in terms of, uh, all of the records pre, um, pre the, the, the color barriers being broke was when we're having the conversation of all time. That is what I'm talking about. Now, in terms of the records, the records are the records because as as he, as our, our caller brought up, nobody was necessarily playing against the best until we got to that point where the color line, uh, color barrier was broken. Uh, but when we start having the all-time conversation, because this originally came up when we did our, I think it was a, a countdown of our greatest of all time category. Yeah. And that was the first time we had the conversation of, well, it's hard for me, for me personally, to put a guy like Babe Ruth in that all-time category when he hasn't, or at least at the top of the list, when he hadn't played against all the best players. Yeah. To me, the all-time category is going to consist of everybody f- from the time that color barrier is broken on, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I, I think what, you know, Mike's bringing up an interesting point, but I think what, what our you know, when we take a look at it and we start comparing, you know, athletes from the 20s and 30s to the to the to the great athletes of the 50s and 60s, um, you know, I, I think that I do dock Babe Ruth's numbers just a little bit. But at the same time, um, I have never mentioned Josh Gibson 
as being, right. quote, the greatest right. catcher of all time ahead of Johnny Bench. Because you know what? As Mike said, Josh Gibson didn't play against all of the best players either. Um, right. As good as cool Papa Bell probably was, he's probably not going to be recognized along with Ricky Henderson when it comes to stolen bases because cool Papa Bell did it you know, in just the Negro Leagues. Didn't get a chance to play uh, against all of the players in Major League Baseball. Cool Papa Bell never got a chance to steal a base against uh, Yogi Berra. You know, so for right. all I, I don't know. Can I just say that, that Cool out. Papa Bell might be the most the awesome name ever? Name ever. <laughs> oh, cool Papa. I can bring up Cool Papa all day long just because it sounds good. Yeah. Cool Papa. He's oh, like, yeah. no, but that, that is that. that so uh, it goes uh, both ways. If you're going to ding Ruth a little bit on some of his numbers, you got to ding the Negro League players on some of their numbers. And I, I think that's already done. Right. So I think what Tony and I are trying to point out is that some of the players from the, you know, 20s and 30s didn't play against the best we already assume that the negro league players didn't all get to play against the best because they weren't in the major leagues at the time right the numbers are the numbers i I, i'm not discounting the numbers in themselves right they 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 achieved those numbers but when i have a conversation about all-time greats you know i want you have to compete have at least competed against the 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 very best that it was left to offer and that didn't take place and really until after the, uh, Jackie Robertson entered the league. From that point on, everybody's game at that point. It's a great point, Tony, and it's, it's really something that we've kind of worked into the program over the last few years. Uh, all right, uh, time to do some trivia. Yesterday, uh, I think the callers looked pretty sharp on Chris versus the fans. We'll see how it goes today. If you want to uh, qualify for a trip to Las Vegas, 833-288-0973. That kicks off the 4 o'clock hour next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 